Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins. And today I'm solo. But this is probably a good thing because I expect us to uh, to talk maybe a little bit more uh, than normal. And I'll probably run rabbits. I'm sorry. But I'm talking to somebody that, uh, that you know uh, through his books. I think five books now. Is it five books? Uh, four. The fifth one's coming out in September. Yeah. Okay. So that voice you hear is David Platt. So... Um, the book Radical and Counterculture, I know most of our listeners are, are very familiar with. Uh, the book that you have coming out, I'm excited about for two reasons. One, the cover looks like the Lifeway Leadership logo because it's mountains. And just the way that the mountains are staggered, David, I, I'm not saying there's copyright infringement uh, or anything like that. I'm just saying I, they look very, very familiar. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's called Something Needs to Change, and it's really about a call to make your life count in a world of urgent need. And um, you, you want to talk uh, just a wee bit about that book um, before we get started? Yeah, I'd love to. I, it's, it's different. This is different than any other book I've written. As far as the format and approach, what I did is I took... Um, some different trips I've taken into the Himalayas, into those mountains, uh, and uh, I put them together into an eight-day trek that the book is designed to take you on a trek through these mountains. I, whenever I come back from, uh, well, any trip overseas, uh, especially where you just come face-to-face with urgent need and those mountains these remote regions in the himalayas just represent a collision of urgent spiritual and physical need and i'm always thinking i wish i could just take multitudes of people with me into those mountains to see these realities in the world and think about how they affect our lives right where we live um but obviously it's not possible to take multitudes of people up into the highest remote regions uh, in the Himalayas. So this book is my attempt to do that, to bring those mountains to people, to take people through the book on an eight-day trek, to wrestle through. So the way I put it in the book is I just try to come out from behind the uh, stage where I'm normally standing preaching and just wrestle with, share some of my journals and some of the questions that I ask and the things I wrestle with, even when it comes to truths that I preach, like where is the goodness of God in the midst of poverty and oppression in the world? Um, Why are some people born into such earthly suffering only to move on to eternal suffering and is eternal suffering real if if so how does how do we understand the goodness of god in light of that so just to wrestle through some of these questions in god's word and uh in the process to uh not just ask the questions but to think about what what uh that means for our lives and so that's that's the reason for the title something needs to change when i came out of those mountains the first time i was just on the floor in tears face to the ground, just 
crying out, God, I know something needs to change in my life and my family and the church that I'm a part of. And so my hope is to try to take people on a journey that leads them to uh, a similar conclusion. So that's kind of the essence of the book. One of the things I, I really do like about it, as you just described that and looking at this covers still, I really am drawn to the cover. I'm, I'm not joking because when you describe that, and I know you've been back to those mountains repeatedly, when I look at my life as, uh, as a leader and a Christ follower, you know, there are those amazing experiences that we have. And, you know, so that's a, that's a peak. Uh, and then there's coming back down a little bit. Um, and then if you, if you look at the cover, there's literally three peaks and each one's higher than the next, but you know, each time it comes back down a little bit and then goes back up. How do you, how do you come back from an experience like that and actually make sure that it does lead to change and new growth? Because, you know, everybody wants a straight line and up to the right of growth, but that's not usually what it looks like in our life. It, and it really is a matter of over the course of time, yes, increasing and growing, but recognizing there's going to be, you know, peaks and valleys on the way up. How do you, how do you make sure that you're able to change? How do you use that um, between those times? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that's a good summary too of the way I think God has designed it to work. I mean, it's, it isn't just this, yeah, uh, smooth, straight line. Um, so in, in my life and my leadership, so I need those times. This is part of why it's not the only reason why, but part of why I, try to get out of the context where I live and go somewhere else in the world and be alongside brothers and sisters in another part of the world or sharing the gospel. People who have never heard it. Um, I try to do that two, three, four times a year um, because I need to reset my perspective. I need to remind myself that the world doesn't look like uh, yeah, everywhere, like what I see around me every day. And so I need that kind of reset time. It's also just good time with the Lord where I'm stretched and challenged personally in my relationship with him. And then, like I said, I mean, when I, when I spend time as a pastor, for example, when I am spending time with like this rural pastor up in a remote village who has 20 people in his church and he's working hard to shepherd them while uh, working all day long in the fields. Like it gives me a perspective on what it means to pastor the church that I need. Um, when I meet somebody who has never heard the name of Jesus, uh, like, I, I mean, I say, hey, do you know anything about Jesus? They say, who's that? I mean, it's like I'm talking about, about somebody in a, a nearby village or something. Like I need to remember like what I celebrate every week in the church and what I celebrate every day in my relationship with God through Christ, like it's not even a possibility for people who haven't even heard his name. So those are reset times. So then, okay, so when I come back um, with that perspective, I've got a, a – one, I've got to make sure. So how do I keep that from just being left there and really integrating into my life here? 
one, I've got to be intentional about sharing the overflow of that with people around me, particularly people who haven't seen or experienced some of those kind of things to share that with them. And two, with, with the people in my life who hold me accountable, who spur me on toward Christ, I want to share with them very intentionally. Here's specific things that need to, to use that phrase, need to change in my life and to share that with people. And then to have those people in my life who are a month later, after I've come back off that mountaintop, so to speak, to be speaking in my life saying, Hey, how's that going? Um, Hey, I, I, you were talking about needing to change there. It really doesn't look like it's changed. So why not? And so I need community around me in that way. And so I think this is what we see in Jesus' discipleship. Uh, when he'd send out his disciples, they come back and they're kind of processing through what they've seen. And Jesus is walking with them through that. And uh, so all that to say, I think it is an up and down. We've got to acknowledge that that's a reality, that we've got to cultivate times where we have resets and then we have community around us that make sure that we're not just, these resets aren't leading to no change in our lives. So good. All right. So David Platt, you, where were you 20 years ago this summer? <laughs> 20 years ago this summer, I was with, that's, that's nuts, man. It was 20 years ago. I was serving <laughs> Todd Atkins on uh, a centrifuge team, the West Gulf team. Uh, so we were in like, uh, <laughs> man, I remember some of these places out uh, the West Coast in Colorado. Uh, there was that one uh, camp where we were, uh, we were sort where every night, like when I was preaching, there were bats in the main room where we were having worship, they would swoop down. And every morning we'd have to like clean up the bat droppings from the night before. Do you remember that? Yes, that was Civils, I believe. Yeah, it was either Symbols at Enlow, uh, Baptist camp that had a uh, oh, bat. And, uh, and so anyway, and then we were down in uh, uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. So anyway, I was serving 20 years ago this summer. This time, that's when I first met Todd Atkins serving on a centrifuge team. I just, I can't believe that. I will, um, I will probably have to find a picture to post with this. I will say I've been guilty in the past of sending pictures to people that you've worked with um, from your camp days. Yes, you pretty yes. much still look the same, by the way. I know that. Yes. I, I, in, uh, in fact, last week I was uh, with somebody who was saying, hey, I, I was talking with Todd Atkins about 1999. Man, that was a long time ago. It was. We're, we were in Cal Baptist too, right? Uh, no, we were. Let's see. We were, uh, we were in New Mexico. Colorado and uh, what's that? I did two years out that oh, way. Okay. And for some reason I thought we were at Cal Baptist. Uh, mm -hmm. I know we were at Cal Baptist at least the second year, but I didn't know if that was the first and second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it was Colorado, Man, New Mexico uh, and Mississippi. So you still, you're still doing camp though. <laughs> so each like student guys told me you were doing a, a, a camp last week. Yeah. So each summer I do one student life camp uh, and it's, it's been good. Like it's, it's really challenging. Um, I just, I don't, I don't ever think I was actually cool or related to, yeah, 
anyway, related to students that well. And so I feel like I'm even that much farther from it now, but it's, it's really good, man. I just to be reminded of well, one, I'm just totally dependent in a camp setting on the sufficiency of God's word and trusting God's spirit to work. And then I do. I mean, I look back all the way to my own life when I was a teenager. I mean, some I had some camp experiences that were life changing. Uh, my Absolutely. wife uh, came to Christ at a camp that I was a part of. That's where we met. I mean, my life turned upside down through camp. And I was just this last week. I was just praising God in a fresh way for all the people who, uh, yeah, made those kind of experiences happen for me. And, uh, and then I'm looking around this room with all these students this last week and I'm seeing students stand up and say, I want to trust in Christ. I want to follow Christ with all my heart. And I pray that these are life changing experiences. So anyway, it was it's, 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 it's still good to be a part of that uh, picture to some extent. Between college and seminary, I think I spent over, if you added up the numbers of weeks that I worked camp, it was over a year. Like I spent over a year of my life doing camp. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. But honestly, if I look back at my life, I would say that's probably some of the most fruitful time that I had. And I probably won't know you know, the side of eternity, what mm-hmm. effect that had. So um, I would say for those listening who uh, either are thinking about skipping camp or skipping VBS, man, research and statistics don't lie and your life and the life of the people on your staff and your friends, ask them uh, because mm-hmm. I don't care whether you Lifeway uh, or one of our camps or VBS or anything, but just do camp. And just do VBS because it's so worth it. All right. Uh, sorry, I got off track a little bit. Oh, and furthermore, uh, the connection. Now you are um, the the senior pastor at McLean Bible Church. And people who listen to the podcast regularly know that I had history there for nearly a decade. And um, know some of the guys that are uh, still um, around you close today. Um David, I never had to deal with um, a president showing up uh, to one of our services. So um, I just prayed for you uh, very much in that and through that process. Um, Is there anything that you would is there anything that you would uh, share that you learned through that process? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, it was a lot. And so maybe, maybe just for clarification. Uh, so yeah, oh, right, right. preaching our last services just a few weeks ago now and, uh, uh, walked off stage. We always have communion at the end of the sermon. So I'd set that up and, um, and that's when I got a, I got pulled backstage, was told the president was on the way over, uh, and I would be there in a couple minutes and, uh, would like for us to pray for him. And so, uh, yeah, so I, I we do, and you you know you've been at McLean. You're in Washington. Like we do everything we can to like stay out of politics, and, uh, and that's where scripture speaks clearly to an issue. Obviously, we want to speak clearly, but just to go out of our way to make sure. And that's one of the things I love about the church. Like there are 
people from all kinds of different perspectives. There's over a hundred nations represented in the church. There's Republicans, there's Democrats, there's just people who work in different spheres, uh, represent different positions. So, uh, anyway, I, I, I knew that if, so it was, it's a no brainer to pray for the president. Everybody, every Christian believes we should pray for the president. Um, and we should pray publicly for the president. That's clear. The question is, do you bring the president out on stage and front of cameras and, uh, in light of all the concerns about how, well, people have seen how like the church has been co-opted in so many different ways by political party and political position. And, uh, and so, and how much is uh, a picture going to be used as, as a like endorsement or used for whatever agenda. So there's all kinds of complications there. So all that to say in the moment, I said, first thing that came to my mind was just, all right, first of the two, we, we clearly are commanded to pray. And I think this is a unique opportunity to pray with the president of the United States for him. So, um, so anyway, we did that. Uh, and there were a lot of people who were really happy, uh, that we did that. And then there were other people, again, not, not people who think we shouldn't pray for the president or shouldn't, uh, pray publicly for the president, but just people who would have concerns about, uh, bringing any politician on stage. And, uh, and so, um, I knew that I knew that there would be some people who would, uh, not be as uh, encouraged by this. So I just, I wrote uh, a note uh, that night um, just to our church to let them know what had happened and to say, hey, this is why we did this. Let's pray for our president. I know some of you might be concerned about this. Know that, I mean, I just finished preaching on how what unites us is not politics or ethnicity or anything else. So it's your economic background. What unites us is the gospel. So I just reiterated that. Well, then that turned into, wow, are you apologizing for praying for the president? And so, uh, you know, in it all, the, the Lord really used it. Uh, I mean, it was, it was kind of a mess for a little while and I was getting all these invitations to be on, Fox News and CNN and all these different shows. And I just said no to all those. And I just, I, my biggest concern was for the integrity of the gospel. And, uh, and I, I knew some people would, would think, oh, okay. So, I mean, there are people in Washington, DC, that would see that and would think, oh, okay, so yeah, this, this church, this pastor is just like any number of other pictures that are just like, we're, we're just about one party or just about, even this president. And so, um, I, uh, I couldn't wait till the next Sunday and we gathered together around the word and, and there was just a lot of tension. Um, but we walked through Romans 14 and 15 and, uh, saw the, the need for just understanding like Liberty. We have different ideas and thoughts and opinions and even convictions on some different things. But what that, that's not what unites us. What unites us is the gospel. And it was awesome. The word just did the work. Like by the end of that sermon, people were standing up, like applauding the word, praising Jesus. And so what did I learn from all that? I, I learned, uh, yeah, the beauty of the unity of Christ. I learned that I really... Some could say I like, created some problems by bringing the president on stage, praying for him. I think it uncovered a variety of things. Like we're just, I think, pretty sick in 
our church culture and the political climate in our church culture and how to have dialogue, just people going after each other. And so uh, we've, we've got a lot to learn about our unity in Christ. And it was awesome to see the Lord, even in uh, McLean Bible Church, do, do a work where we were reminded in a powerful way that Jesus is the center of all that we do. So sorry, that was a long answer, but no, that's that's exactly. I mean, I didn't plan on asking you that question. It just kind of happened. But the the big thing that having, uh, you know, seen the prayer and then uh, hearing your sermon the next week, I would really encourage people to to go online, uh, pastors especially, to go online and listen to that sermon or watch. I, just watch it unfold because of having the courage to confront with the gospel and letting it do its work um, was such an amazing thing. And so there will be, you know, in the next election cycle, people on a local level that will face, you know, similar circumstances, perhaps. Um, I think those people can can learn from that, even if somebody doesn't show up or anything like that. Just the division that can be created there it is massive and can be addressed. Not only that, but there may be something that's not a political issue in your church. But having the courage to confront it with the gospel um, is vitally, vitally important. And I just I mean, you know, from afar and and but understanding the church culture to some degree, at least I know that's probably shifted somewhat, but understanding that church culture, it was just such a, a blessing to see. And now I really will get into our five questions and we will go quickly because we've spent half our time uh, already. Okay. So who are you, who are you presently learning from? Oh, great question. I would say like really, and this pertains to what we were just talking about the hundred plus nations represented in our church and a lot of people who come from a lot of different backgrounds and have a lot of different perspectives than me. That's, this is one of the things I love most about this church that I would say. So that that's what comes to my mind. I, I mean, you mentioned Mike Kelsey, uh, he's you know one of our, uh, pastors and he and I come from different backgrounds and have different perspectives on things. I learned so much from Mike um, and then I just think about, uh, the, the people, even the, we were having a, uh, late night prayer gathering a couple of weeks ago and, uh, up there leading with me, uh, we've got, uh, one of our women leaders from Hungary, one of our women leaders from Uzbekistan, Mike was up there. And so I just think I am learning so much from, uh, brothers and sisters who, who are very different from me. That's even one of the things that I, again, to go back to what these last couple of weeks have, have taught me. Um, and I've just been challenged. If, if I'm not in community with people who have some different perspectives on politics or different perspectives on a variety of issues than me, then I'm missing out. And I, I really want to cultivate community where I am, listening to and learning from 
people who uh, are pretty different from me. Obviously, uniting together in the gospel and uh, particularly when it comes to the church, obviously uniting together in the gospel, love for God's word, trust in God's word. But uh, so that's that's the first thing that comes to my mind is is a, a lot of people who are really different from me are the people I'm learning the most from right now. So good. All right. What is your main point of emphasis with your with your team right now? I would say one first and foremost is, and this is going to sound so basic, but, but prayer. Um, and here's what I mean by that. I, I, I was, I was in, uh, it was at the end of last year I was in South Korea and I was just rocked in a fresh way, in a way I didn't see coming because I'd been in South Korea before, but I was just reminded how the church there has grown like that. Todd, they were, Christianity was less than 1% in, on the Korean peninsula in uh, 1900, like less than 1%. And then a hundred years later at the turn of the century, uh, so obviously North Korea and unique challenges there, but in South Korea alone, there were 10 million followers of Jesus and the second largest mission sending country. Um, uh, after the United States. And it's pretty amazing when you realize they're the like, population of Florida and, Al- and California combined. So I mean, massive, I think about that, uh, like imagine a country today that is less than 1% Christian, like Afghanistan or Yemen. Can you imagine a hundred years from now, 10 million followers of Jesus in Afghanistan or 10 million followers of Jesus in Yemen? Like that seems like, so how does that happen? And you look at the history of the church in Korea, they, they pray like they, they pray every morning. They have prayer gatherings at five o'clock in the morning, every Friday night, they have all night prayer gatherings. So I came back and I was like, guys, we, we got to start praying all night. Like I'd never been a part of an all night prayer gathering. Um, and, uh, we did our first one in January, start at eight o'clock at night, go till six o'clock the next morning. So Friday night into Saturday morning. And it was awesome, uh, just crying out to God uh, and our lives, our families as a church. And then we've we've continued. We, we've done uh, since then. We've just kind of done it every other month. And uh, the last couple of times, they were just 8 to midnight or 8 to 1230. But just the whole time, no breaks, 8 to 1230, just praying and uh, leading people. In, and it has been, these have quickly become some of my favorite moments in the church and with our, it's not just our leaders, but our members, but, uh, I don't know why I've not as a pastor, um, done this before. Like I've totally missed it. And so all that to say, when we get together with our team, like we're, we're praying, like really praying, not just kind of opening up with the meeting with a prayer, like how, how can we make sure we're really engaging. Like I was in Jeremiah 33 this morning, like call to me and I will tell you great unsearchable things you don't even know. Uh, I want to pray like that. Pray in faith. Uh, that was the, where I was in Jeremiah 32, uh, today, like, uh, God talking about his power. And he says, is anything too hard for me? And no, like nothing's too hard for him. So, uh, anyway, that's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is just an emphasis on like, like prayer being, central, primary, like really praying, not just kind of formality praying. Um, and, uh, so talk about, 
Oh, go ahead. Talk about what that looks like from, so, you know, I grew up uh, in a, a culture, middle of nowhere, Kentucky, where, you know, we had um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night services. So Wednesday night was often a, a prayer gathering. And sometimes uh, once a month, it was like, that was all it was. So in my head, I go back to what that looks like. Huh. And to be honest, it was kind of not, it was like just straight praying for an hour. And it didn't seem like there was a lot of structure or anything uh, to that in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was, I'm not sure. What does that practically look like? Is there, you know, uh, is there any music involved? Uh -huh. Is there a structure? Is there a guided um, time? Like, what does that, what does one of those evenings look like? The, the short version mm -hmm. probably be most helpful that, that, you know, four hour version versus the overnight version. Yeah. Or you can I'll just give you a, a picture of what this last one was. Uh, so what we did, so we got four hours that usually goes a little long. Um, we split it up. We've talked about like, I've tried to teach our, our church to pray using that acrostic P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, yield. And we've been reading through the Psalms and a Bible reading plan we're going through. So we just used the Psalms and uh, split up those four hours in a P-R-A-Y. So the first hour was praising God. And so, yeah, we've got guys who are leading music up there. So there's a couple guys on guitar. Uh, I think there was a guy on uh, drums this time. And so you've got uh, like a small kind of band up there. And uh, um, we, we start by just singing songs of praise and then go into. Uh, so I would say all throughout the night, the time is split up into time where there's there's sometimes where we're all praying out loud at the same time. Like and I mean, calling out to God. This is one of the things I loved in South Korea. Like they after I'd finished preaching they say all right let's pray they say the the word for uh lord in uh korean and i'm gonna i'm gonna be butchering the the pronunciation here but it sounds like chuyo and so they just yell chuyo and they just start praying all at the same time across the room so that's what we do part of the time we're just we don't say chuyo we just cry out to god and so we're calling out names of god and praising him all at the same time. And then uh, I've got some of our leaders, some of uh, our men and women leaders who are up on stage that will lead in different parts. So we'll have times where we're all praying out loud at the same time. There'll be times where we gather together in groups of two, three, four, five, and pray in smaller groups. There will be times where we just spend time on our own praying um, just silently and then times and singing. So it's kind of an uh, kind of all of those kind of blended together. And so that first hour, I mean, you'd be surprised if you were in there, like how quickly it goes. Um, as we're just praising God, we're thanking God. We say Psalm 103, verse two, praise the Lord, bless the Lord on my soul, forget not all his benefits. Let's just thank God for his benefits all over the room. And then there was a time where I think it's important for leaders to model uh, how to pray. And so there was, we were just passing a mic with some of our leaders on stage, just thanking God for different things and blessing God for his different benefits. And so that praise, repent. Uh, one of the things we'll do oftentimes like pray in the word, we'll just put a scripture up on the screen and say, all right, get in a small group. And this passage from Psalm 51, for example, just pray through it. And then we spend time in corporate confession where different ones of us with the mic are uh, just 
confessing uh, in a sentence or two here and there, uh, different things in our church that we need to confess before God. And then we're singing songs about the gospel, then asking. Uh, we That third hour, we're interceding for all kinds of different needs in each other's lives. We had solicited from our church uh, and beyond our church, for that matter, all kinds of, uh, I got this from Brooklyn Tab uh, and their Tuesday night prayer, prayer gathering. They have prayer requests come in from all over the world and then they put them on cards and they pass them out and every one of those gets prayed for. So we did something like that. We prayed for needs in each other's lives. We prayed for the nations. We prayed for the lost in our city. We prayed for, I mean, we, we had a time, our, our time before this was uh, soon before our Easter gathering. And we just spent concentrated time in prayer, praying for the lost. Like we saw a harvest on Easter Sunday that we have never seen. It was awesome. And I know it was directly attributed to our pleading before God for an hour for the lost in different ways, praying again, small groups individually all together. And in the last hour, like this last hour, it was the best hour. Like we were, it was right after this, some of this uh, stuff with the president happened and just threats to unity in our church. And so we like join hand across the aisle and we're all crying out to God for his protection, his grace for unity around the gospel. And it was, it was awesome then we sang a song just celebrating the gospel and i mean it's 11 30 it's like people are jumping up and down in the aisles like not in a crazy way uncomfortable but just like joyful like we love jesus like he is the center of it like i you didn't want it to end it was it was so that's uh that's my best attempt to summarize what that four hours was like no that's great i mean because you know, one of the things that um, we try to bring out is, you know, just sharing that we have these prayer gatherings is one thing, but actually, you know, your description of it actually, <laughs> it really brings us in uh, mm -hmm. to understand what that looks like, even from a practical standpoint. Oh, okay. I can see how I can do this too, yeah. because, you know, there are different um, points in our life, like, there are different seasons of my life where prayer is more emphasized than others. And unfortunately, it's usually uh, accompanying times of suffering mm. or uncertainty or change or, you know, kind of fill in the blank. But to have that as, you know, just like uh, a spiritual discipline that we have for ourselves personally to make sure that that's something that we're always uh, doing, but having that discipline for our church. I think is, is something that would be amazing to strive for too. And oftentimes we don't do it because we feel like, you know, people don't engage in it anymore or it's antiquated or whatever. And, um, we're in a sorry state of prayer. Let's just hear a quick word from our sponsor for today. And we'll get back into the interview. Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start with volunteer training? Or if you do, is it hard to get everyone in the same place at the same time? Well, Ministry Grid makes it simple to train every volunteer and leader in your church. With a library of over 3,500 videos and 800 courses, you'll find training for every ministry area and leadership level. From volunteers to leaders to ministry directors, Ministry Grid's scope and sequence of training makes it easy to know who needs what training. And here's the best news of all. For the month of August, you can get unlimited access to Ministry Grid for your entire your church for just $399 a year and you're locked into that price every year 
afterwards. So to take advantage of this incredible deal, just go to ministrygrid.com slash podcast to get unlimited training for $399. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the interview. Oh, all right. Um, okay, I'm going to move us to uh, our third question and quickly our fourth and fifth, fifth question because I want to honor your time. Very much appreciate it. Um, so I am gonna I'm gonna put a caveat on this one. Other than spiritual disciplines, any of the spiritual disciplines, what must you do uh, daily in order to lead well? Um, okay. Other than spiritual disciplines, I uh, I I need yeah. I think need is the right word, like physical exercise. Um, I found in my own life that uh, spiritual discipline and physical discipline go together in many ways. And so, uh, um, yeah, there was a there was a point, long story short, in my life leadership where I was really, really, really unhealthy for a long season. And there was no physical discipline in my life and no spiritual discipline in my life. And, uh, I just, God, by his grace, uh, woke me up to that and, uh, and made some changes in both those areas. And so physical discipline is pretty important uh, for me. So yeah, every morning I'm doing something physical exercise, um, and specifically do CrossFit whenever I'm in town or even when I'm traveling, uh, when I'm able to. So that's one thing, uh, I would say, uh, every day, like to the extent with which, I mean, obviously days are different, but quality time with my wife and my kids. Um, I love my family so much. And, uh, so I, that, that if things are good in marriage and things are good with my kids, that has a huge effect on every other facet of my life. If, if things are not good in marriage or things are not good with my kids, that's going to have a huge effect on every facet of my life. And then, uh, the third thing I would say is just some rest. Like I need, I need time where I'm not looking at my phone, email, text, thinking about work stuff. Like if I try to, so say I had a normal nine to five day, which doesn't happen very often, but if it does, then when I'm like hit that five o'clock time, so to speak, then from there till, till dinner, uh, or not till dinner, till like going to bed at night, I'm going to do my best not to look at any email, any, uh, anything I'm, I'm going to be all on, uh, with my wife, my kids at home. And because the problem is if, if I'm not careful, I'll check an email like right before dinner, I'll check an email right before bed. And then I'm just, I'm thinking about that a ton, right. robbing my wife and my kids from the time they need from me. So, so that rest, meaning just totally turning off work stuff. I need that time. I think that shifts perfectly into our fourth question, which is what does leadership in your home look like? Mm-hmm. So I know you have four kids. Yeah. I'm also a member of Quattro Club. Well, and we're about to step it up, man. We're in the process of adopting. Oh, no. So come on, come on, Atkins family. But yeah, we're in. I've got a 15 month old that just before this podcast, I received a text message with her uh, standing up on her own. Oh, you know, that's great, man. 
Well, we're, she's a late bloomer. We're about to be in that uh, boat with you, Lord willing. We're in the process of adopting uh, our our fifth. So hopefully, over the next year, we'll be bringing home uh, a toddler. Um, so uh, anyway, let's see. What does leadership in my home look like? Um, well, in in marriage, uh, we we try to do uh, intentional date nights uh, pretty regularly. Uh, so just time alone with Heather, that's obviously an, an investment of time. It's investment money wise is when you get, uh, kids that, uh, somebody needs to watch. Um, but it is so worth it. Like we spend intentional time together. Uh, just, yeah, try to do that every couple of weeks. Uh, if not sometimes every week, um, but at least every couple of weeks. So in marriage, um, and then looking for one of the things that I love doing with Heather that we've done for the last uh, five years or so is we use the same Bible reading plan. So we don't uh, read the Bible together, like sit down and read it together. We're having our time with the Lord uh, separately, but we're walking through the same Bible reading. And it's been so good just hearing the same word from God, processing that. That's been hugely helpful. And even for me and knowing how best to shepherd her heart, uh, it's been, it's been really, really good. Um, our kids are a part of that too. So, uh, uh, although they don't necessarily, so it's, a uh, two or three chapters a day, um, that we're in. So maybe they'll do less than that. Um, but, uh, it's been really helpful even for me shepherding their hearts. Hey, what'd you think about this today? And that kind of Deuteronomy, uh, four and Deuteronomy six, kind of talking about the word as you go. Um, we homeschool our kids. So that provides all kinds of opportunities for some discipleship that my, my wife that Heather is even more intentionally involved in during the day. But then we try to prioritize time at night, uh, concentrated time with family, just playing, doing games, uh, uh, you know, just different things, goofing around and then try to have time in prayer and family worship. But when I say family worship, don't picture like, uh, sitting around singing 18th century hymns and doing exegesis of Ezekiel. It's more, uh, uh, Bible story, prayer time. Somehow it ends up um, singing a goofy song. Somehow it ends up usually with us wrestling on the floor. And so, um, but <laughs> I, I think our kids really enjoy that time. So that's a summary. Oh, that's a great summary, man. Uh, and you, here's the thing, making that time. And it was somebody on the podcast that was an older person. Not too long ago was, uh, was just talking to me about that time with their children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you want it to be like, you want them to respect the word of the Lord and, and, you know, they're acting up or whatever. And they're like, Hey, you want your kids to grow up and remember how awesome this time was. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a little bit more grace when yeah. it comes to yes. this. And we have personally found, or I've at least personally found since, you know, we've kind of instituted that cause we do it every night. Um, when I am more like that, they uh, they tend to open up more. You tend to have further, uh, better conversations, even more serious conversations in light of that over the course of time. Yeah. Of course, like you know, sometimes it's just it's it gets real silly. Hmm. Uh, but but man, I love that. I love the picture of that. You're great at describing uh, what that looks like hmm. as well. All right. So last question: uh, What would you tell? your 20 year old self about preparing to lead? 
I knew you were like 22 or 23 year old self. I was about to say, man, you were pretty much there in my 20 year old. Here's what I remember about you. Um, I, here's, here's one of the things I will say uh, about you. And um, there's a couple other guys I would put uh, in this category, Bob Russell, couple other ones where I'm like, okay, if I spent from in my life, every time I've spent more than five to 10 minutes with this person, I'm convicted hmm. because I can remember back at who you were and, um, you know, meeting Heather as well during the, during the course of that camp. And I'm just like, man, these people are like legit godly people. Like I don't, if you've never done camp, you don't understand. I mean, these are 16 hour days, multiple 16 hour days in a row. You're young and all that, but you know, you see people's, you, you can kind of see people at their worst. And I would say, man, you are always, um, you are always a, a tremendous example. Uh, and I always was like, I wonder what, I, I, I don't know. Like, dude, I just wanted to tell you that. Mm. Um, you've always been that for me. I've always seen you as an example of of good, uh, godly character and integrity. And um, it's always fun to be around people like that and to serve with people like that. Mm -hmm. um, but what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Apparently, <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny you say that, and I appreciate you saying that. But like the things that are uh, that I'm, I'm thinking are like, well, like the first one was like, uh, that I would tell my 20 year old self is like, be humble, like pray for humility, seek humility. Uh, I just, uh, I'm the most prideful person I know. And so I, uh, just, I think humility and, and especially when it comes to leadership, uh, when you're in position of, leadership influence power it's just so easy to lose and not have humility and to uh yeah to be thinking about what yourself what's good for you what will this make you look like like so many different angles i, I love c.s lewis's chapter on pride and mere christianity it's so good i just reread it recently um but uh anyway so so just pray for seek foster humility. Um, so here's the three words that are coming to my mind, humility, uh, wisdom. Uh, I still feel like this, but even more so And I was just reading first Kings three, not long ago in my Bible reading, but, uh, I'm only a child. I don't know how to carry out my duties. Solomon says, please give me a wise and discerning mind. And so I, I, plead for wisdom nonstop. I, Heather and I lay in bed at night, looking up at this, at the ceiling, just pleading for wisdom and how to parent these kids. Like we feel so clueless. And so, uh, and then in the church, like how do I shepherd this church to make disciples and multiply churches among the nations? I mean, God, please give me wisdom. Uh, so I'm just constantly pleading for wisdom. And so, uh, I would say to my 20, 20 year old self, like seek humility, seek wisdom and courage. So, uh, especially those last two, wisdom and courage. Like, I don't want one of those without the other. I don't want to be wise and timid, uh, because then I'll never do what God's calling me to do. Like, the, but I also don't want to be courageous and foolish. That's just a really bad way to lead, um, with a lot of courage and a lot of foolishness. Um, so 
I want, I want wisdom to know God's will and courage to walk in it, like to do it, to take risks, to step out, um, and do, I, I just, I love like Genesis, what is it? Genesis seven, five, Noah did all the Lord commanded him, uh, Exodus seven, uh, Moses and Aaron did all the Lord commanded them. Like, I, I want that to be said in my life and leadership, like did all the Lord commanded me. So anyway, uh, wisdom, courage, and humility. Those, those are the three words I think I would want to speak to my 20 year old self. And it's, I, it's the same thing I'd say in a sense to my 40 year old self too. <laughs> Good deal, man. Well, just thank you so much for, um, taking time to, to spend some time with us sharing your story and your stories. Um, not only on this podcast, but, um, through your sermons that minister to so many of us and books as well. I know that uh, I'm looking forward to the something needs to change book simply because the way you describe things uh, through the course of this, you know, this conversation, um, I know that you share your life uh, on your sleeve. So whatever God did in you through the course of from your 20 year old self to now, uh, I would say, um, it's great to see you continue to walk humbly before the Lord and in a way that is open um, so that others can learn from your journey as well. So just really appreciate you and your ministry. Definitely appreciate your church and you know, I'll, I'll continue to pray for it. Thanks, man. Hey, this is really good to be on this podcast with you 20 years after serving with you in uh, camp uh, 1999. It's awesome. I appreciate you, Todd. All right. Thanks so much, David. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to check out the Making Disciples podcast with Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain as well. They're part of our Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family. And recently they've covered topics like building a compelling team, my number one failure as a disciple maker, and taking back your life and ministry from technology. Just look up Making Disciples on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. We'll catch you next time.